1: Welcome back to The Agent of Wealth. This is your host, Mark Boudis. On today's episode, we brought back the entire Boudis Financial team to discuss the second book we read for our book club. Today's book we're going to talk about is The Infinite Game by Simon Sinek. John, Kira, and Kayla, welcome to the show. Thank you. Hey, Mark. Hi, Mark. All right. So last month's book we talked about was Atomic Habits by James Clear, which I picked, Kira picked the, the one we're going to talk about today, The Infinite Game. So, Kira, I'll have you start off um, with leading the discussion. Why would you pick this book?
2: I selected our next read, The Infinite Games by Simon Sinek, and I picked this off the shelves at Barnes & Nobles about a year ago. I was intrigued by the front-end paper, which reads in part, How do you win a game that has no end? Finite games, according to James P. Cars. Have known players, fixed rules, and a clear endpoint. The winners and losers are easily identified, like in a game of football or a game of chess. In infinite games, like businesses or politics or life itself, the players come and go, the rules are changeable, and there is no defined endpoint. There are no winners, no losers in an infinite game. There is no such thing as a winning business, for example, or winning life. There's only ahead and behind. And I thought this would be a good selection for our Boundless Financial Book Club because these discussions are happening in this book club with my coworkers, my team, and at large, the book's main goal is to challenge the way that we look at the responsibility of businesses and our responsibility to employees. So, my first question um, to ask the team today is for John. In chapter one of the book, Simon says that any leader who wants to adopt an infinite mindset must follow five essential practices. The first is to advance a just cause. And by advancing a just cause, you should feel inspired to wake up every morning, get going. Um, And so I wanted to ask you if you could share a just cause that you have in business or one that you have in your personal life
3: it was interesting that you, uh, this was one of the questions that you would ask me because I, I think that this is one of the things that I was the most thought provoking for me when, when, uh, when reading this book, thinking about, you know, how I, you know, I set up my goals and I have goals and like, and really just kind of unpacking, like how I've thought about the things that motivate me. And I don't know if I have that, that the one, uh, at a personal level really figured out my, I think right now with, with four kids, like my, it's, it's a, there's, there's no infinite game. It's more of a, a finite game to get through the day. And I, and I joke about that, but at the same time, I think that a lot of, you know, what, what I, what I think about is obviously my family, like being able to, to, to do everything that I possibly can and keeping them, um, you know, obviously is my highest priority. You know, I, I don't know if I have necessarily figured out what my, I guess that like higher meaning, that higher purpose, it almost reminded me of the, the, the advice value stack that we, we talk about with our clients you know, like you have, like those things that are like that fulfilling a life's purpose. Um, and it's certainly something that that I've, I've given a lot of thought to since reading, reading this book, because I don't, I don't, I'm not sure that I ha- quite have that, like, wake up in the morning and like life's purpose, like I'm moving in this in this type of direction, but it definitely makes sense. And it definitely seems like something that everybody could benefit from by, you know, just continuing to look at what that is, and just try to you know maybe it could take you a really long time to figure out what it is but i at least moving in that direction at a personal level um you know i think would be would, would be something that i, I, I and i definitely a, for me is something that i want to want to continue to work on for sure at a, from a business perspective it's a little different right because then you know there's like there's me and then there's our business so i mean and again back to that value stack i think mean, i think one of the things that i Really enjoy about this job is is just like helping people to to have confidence. I always think about like when I'm meeting with someone, just like building confidence with as many people as possible is really one of the one of my approaches and one of the things that really that really helps in in me, you know, kind of keeps me motivated and like like you were saying, waking up in the morning and excited about the job is like the the prospect of being able to help someone, you know, um, from the beginning of the meeting um, towards Um, having a lot more confidence at the end of the meeting versus the beginning of the meeting and just in confidence across all levels of their financial life. So, you know, I think that's one of the, one of the main things that I I think about when it comes to, um, from, from a business perspective,
2: I think this book was like thought provoking in that way. and I agree with you, like for me, I definitely like want to leave a legacy, Then you're like, what is that legacy? And it's like thought provoking in that way. It's like, okay, I really need to sit down, put pen to paper. And I know a lot of people also call this like your quote unquote why. What is your why? It's like a popular, you know, self reflecting tool that you can use. So I think it was effective in that way.
3: Didn't you have a book that was. Start start with why, I think. Start with why. Funny enough, like that's actually. Was his, well, I think one of his first ones, or if well, it wasn't his
4: first one.
2: So it's worth mentioning the second essential practice that Simon lays out in the in the book, which is building a trusting team. But my next question for Mark relates to the third practice, which is study your worthy rivals. It is important to note that Simon does caution that worthy rivals are different from competitors. Uh, he says, viewing other companies or other individuals as competitors is unhealthy. If you have a competitor at work, it means you will do what you can to undermine them to improve whatever it could be for you, whether it's your sales or getting the bonus. But for Mark, in your opinion, what differs a worthy rival from a competitor?
1: Yeah, I, I think he, he gives a, a a lot of good stories about this. One of them was he talks about Wells Fargo and some of the the unethical things they did you know as or you want to say they did or they were forced to do or encouraged to do you know I, I grew up playing a lot of sports and always looked at the person on the other side of the field as a competitor i think that kind of mindset transitioned into into business as well especially you know when starting this company looking at other advisors as oh it's it's competition you know it's a it's a killer be killed or world where we're always you know looking at this finite pot Cynic takes a different approach. He defines it's not, you know, there are, you shouldn't look at them as competitors. You want to look at the a worthy rival. It's another player in the game who's worthy of comparison. And what he says, it may be players in the industry, outside the industry, they may be sworn enemies, collaborators, colleagues, but regardless of who they are, the main point is that they do something just as good or maybe even better than we do. They may make a superior product, command. Greater loyalty, lead more efficiently or effectively. You don't need to admire everything about them, agree with them, or even like them. You should, uh, you know, simply acknowledge that they do have strengths and abilities, and you probably could learn from them. So, and that's what he talks about with study your know, worthy rivals. You know, one of the things that I've done is, you know, like I said, previous mindset years ago when I first started was just to look at everyone as a competitor. Uh, we recently joined a group of advisors that. Meets regularly, shares best practices, it, it called uh, advisors growing as a community. So it's advisors from all across the country, um, who are not necessarily even competitors, but it's a way that, you know, maybe this other advisor does something better than than we do. And we can, you know, always in that quest of improving ourselves, we can, we can obtain uh, you know whether it's some different strategy or some different way of of approaching you know how we operate as as advisors so I think even before reading this it was something where i I've had a mind um, you know a little shift in in how I looked at it because I do think now you know studying or taking you know this person does this really good so I pick something up from there maybe another person does. Uh, you know, something else really well. So I think it is kind of picking and choosing and not necessarily emulating, but, you know, really learning from from uh, the people that are in the same space we are.
2: Yeah. And I also liked the example of Apple. I think it was Apple and Microsoft, how they had com- um, competing products, but Apple was so focused on their just cause of improving the world and the planet that they didn't care about Sales over Microsoft on a similar product. It was more so looking at the bigger picture of the entire company.
1: Yeah. I think the other example he uses too, which I liked a lot, was uh, GE under Jack Welch, where basically Welch, like if you, he ranked everyone and, and a certain periodic times throughout the year, if you were in the bottom, you got let go. It wasn't, you know, try to, you know, see how this this teammate could could contribute to the team it was this real harsh way of, uh, of creating that that comp- compet- you know competitor environment
2: yeah okay next questions for you John have you ever come away from a customer service experience feeling like your needs could have been met without much hassle but were denied as part of a company policy or um, that's impossible because our company doesn't allow that. Simon says that this only happens in poorly led companies and that a well led company knows what the rules are and when to break them when it's the right thing to do. Can you give me an example of when you've quote unquote broken the rules and did it pay off for you?
3: The first thing that popped in my mind was Comcast. You know, they're they're a unique company where they I don't want to say that necessarily a monopoly, but like, you know, until recently, like you did have a lot of places to go. And I feel like every time I have interaction with Comcast, very rarely is it a positive, positive experience. And it always ceases to amaze me. It never ceases to amaze me. I should say that like the, the, the person that's in touch with the, with the client, like whenever those situations come up, like how important it is for you to leave a positive experience behind for that person, because they, they have choices and it's just, there's just very, very simple things that, um, that, you know, come along with that positive experience. But with that said, like, you know, I have to say that I had a lot of trouble unpacking a lot of what he was talking about when it comes to like the infinite game. I guess the, the best way to explain that for me was the difficult, my difficulty is that you know, there's a lot of these like tactics you may like, so there's like good customer service, there's these things, there's these things. So I certainly, I think it's possible where you could have a company that has, you know, this infinite mindset, but like they have poor customer service. I don't know. I think that there's like an oversimplification of the way of his approach um, with, with what you're talking about. And a lot of the things that, that are there. So I, I had a little trouble r- wrapping my head around like what, what he was trying to get at and how it related to the infinite game. Because at the end of the day, to me, there's like good business practice and there's bad business practice. And when it comes to customer service, like, you know, you can call like, you know, the one, um, you could maybe tie the the good business practice into the infinite, like an infinite mindset. Um, but I don't know if they're always going hand in hand. Um, I don't have a specific case where, um, um, where I have a uh, you know example of like like you said like where I've like broken the rules, but I, but I can say in, in my experience that that um, you know it would make sense that that infinite mindset would in most cases kind of trickle down to the people who are being are in contact with the consumer on a regular basis.
1: I like how the Ritz Carlton approaches it. They give any employee of the company the authority, and I think it's up to a thousand dollars or two thousand dollars to. Improve the, the client experience or the customer's uh, experience any way they want. So they have complete authority to do anything that they think will help up to, obviously up to a certain amount. But I think that's, that's really a good, you know, a good, a good thing because powered to actually yesterday I saw on Twitter where someone posted a thread where they said, you basically, you haul the company is garbage. Let's list other companies and you wouldn't believe the amount of people that posted it ran from everything from there were some airlines mentioned um there, there was comcast mentioned and now people have a voice um you know where it used to be you got bad service and you know you just dealt with it and now you know, depending upon how big your Twitter list is or your Instagram followers, a lot of people will see if you have a problem. And what's even funnier in that thread is the companies actually came on the thread and started posting, oh, if you had a bad experience, you know, DM us or, you know, here's our service line. And people were like, "Nah, you had a chance and you failed. And now this is what, what you're getting from from it. So, you know, and I, I think, um, Kira, j- to, to your point on the question is, um, I think, Cynic talks a lot about who the focus of, you know, who the focus is of the company. And, you know, I think previously, or, or in the finite mindset, it's the shareholders, right? Everyone thinks, oh, it's to make money, it's the shareholders. But he talks about how, like Apple, you know, they focused on the, the experience of the customer, they focused on the customer. And, you know, the other one that, Um, you know, maybe we'll talk about a little bit later is, is the employees of the company as well and how important it is focusing on, on them. But yeah, I think the mind mindset either has or should shift to that, you know, to really focusing on that, those aspects.
2: Yeah. And for me, like I, on a broad scale view, an infinite business as one that's like always adopting and willing to adapt. And I feel like that plays a lot into, Customer service. I've worked a lot in like service industries at restaurants, at stores. I've also uh, worked a lot on social media. So I've been, you know, the people on the account saying, please reach out to us if you've had a bad experience. And I think just having that adaptability to not stay within like a rule book of, Oh, if someone asks this question, we have to say no. Or if someone wants a booth, we have to say, no, there's only tables available or your party's not big enough. Like as a, as a small example. So I feel like even if it's as little as breaking a rule of like, oh no, we're not supposed to see anyone in that section because there's no server there. We just tap the shoulder off someone who's a server, that's our friend and say, hey, do you think you can help this couple? You know, one of them is handicapped and they can't get into the main part of the restaurant. So little things like that, I do think go a long way, especially when you're consumer facing. And after all, a business can't succeed without a consumer. Um, So my next question is for you, Mark at the conclusion of the book, do you feel inspired to adopt an infinite mindset? And I guess um, you can talk a little bit about how you felt about the book in general. Um, if you had any agreement or disagreement, sort of like John just mentioned, feel free to.
1: Yeah. So I, I think the, the cynic talks about the five essential practices of having that infinite mindset. And I think some of them definitely did did resonate. Like I talked earlier about the study, you worthy rivals. Um, he also talks about advancing a just cause like John, it's, it's still a different mindset of me to kind of pinpoint, you know, I think the closest one that I have to that is, um, you know, really pushing out financial literacy. That's something I think that we really try and do as a, as a company, um, you know, with some of the content we do, but also we're, I'm, I'm big on a big believer, you know, that we don't get financial literacy growing up and, you know, it is a passion of mine to to help with that. Um, you know, he he talks about building trusting teams, which like, I, you know, I was just mentioning how one Jack Welsh made competition among amongst teams. Um, but you, you really, you know, realize how how important the team is, how important the, you know, everyone on the team is. Um, and, and Sinek gives some really good stories about that. Um you know, one I liked he talked about the Marine Corps. What he said about the Marine Corps is they they really try and identify leaders, and you know they give different uh, assessment tests that they do on the assessment test, it's not the ability to succeed which they say makes a leader, it's showing characteristics of a leader uh, you know, and those characteristics could be honesty, integrity, judgment, decisiveness. you know for example, he says the Marine Corps is not interested whether you know someone can cross a water hazard they want leaders to create a trusting environment so that they can cross any water water obstacle. So, you know, I, I think like having, you know, that really opened my eyes until to how really to look at leading a team and, you know, how we want to develop our, you know, the team members that we have here on it. And, you know, he contrasts that with, you know, what I mentioned earlier about um, Wells Fargo, and how they just create, the, and he he calls it ethical fading, is what he calls it, and how they create a culture of it, and how quickly, you know, a negative culture like that can develop to the point where, you know, 3 million, you know, they Wells Fargo opened 3 million fake accounts over uh, a period of time, and how, you know, there's evidence that this, it wasn't like it was just some small practice, that there were a lot of people aware of this. And, you know, you can almost look at it as th- this negative behavior was, was promoted. So, you know, I think it's definitely, you know, after reading the book, it's definitely something having the infinite mindset versus the the finite mindset is something that I think is something that we're, we're trying, you know, we're going to try and do and, and definitely enjoy the book. Um, I do think, you know, Cynic it's, you know, he gives the five practices. He somewhat simplifies some of it. Like, for example, we'll talk about with, with people we work with saving, right. And we'll say, you know, you should save more. And it's like, yeah, that's great. But how do I actually do it? That's probably the one part I I would have liked to see a little more in there. He gives some really good stories, but kind of that, okay, this is how you, you know, kind of take that infinite mindset. And he does give some stories he gives some, some examples of it, but you know, I'm always one of that. Here's the playbook. Here's the roadmap on how to actually, you know, take that. But overall, I thought, I thought it was a good
0: book.
2: Yeah. Kayla, for you. So the last of the five essential practices is cultivating the courage to lead. I wanted to ask if you got any good, valuable information from that section that could inspire you to become a leader or lead in your own life.
4: Yeah, I thought that was a really interesting question. I think within your own life, it's kind of hard to pinpoint that why, like we talked about earlier. I don't know my why and I don't I don't think there's anything wrong with not knowing that, but just knowing that you're working towards something bigger is kind of that infinite mindset that cynic is talking about. So that's kind of how I took away with it. Another thing that I took away was that uh, Mark already mentioned competitors, but one of the things is that like within your game, you're your own biggest competitor and you shouldn't be compare- comparing, yourself to colleagues or others around you. You should just be comparing you to yourself And then the last thing that I think I'm taking away to my own life is that in a finite game, you're worried about small consequences. But in an infinite game, you're not really letting those hold you back.
2: Is there anything that you disliked or disagreed with that Simon wrote about in, in the book?
4: I thought it was really entertaining the whole way through. I think one criticism that I do have is that it feels some of the stories felt a bit redundant, like we would just switch companies you guys already mentioned wells fargo um apple versus microsoft and then there was another i liked the story about cbs and how they stopped selling cigarettes a few years back and how like certain companies that wouldn't work with them before like started working with them after that i thought those were all entertaining but i thought they all kind of had the same general idea behind them and i think that was laid out in the first few chapters and at points it just felt a bit redundant but it was still entertaining
2: Yeah, I definitely agree. I think for anyone listening who's interested in reading the book, the first three chapters are really, really great. Actually, the first chapter just does, it's a kind of like an overview of the remainder of the book. And then the remainder of the book is, is like supporting stories. And um, it's, it's interesting to learn these stories, especially for me. I'm, I'm definitely interested in like seeing real life examples and just being more knowledgeable about business practices and learning about businesses in general. But a lot of it is really laid out for you in in the first few pages there.
3: Did anybody like get like this impression from him, this like two forces fighting each other? I couldn't get out of my head as I was like going through this book, how much that I I thought that there's the infinite game is just as important as the finite game and the good companies actually figure out a way to make them both coexist. You know like and I felt like he always had this like anti capitalist kind of feel to the way he was talking about like business, and I don't know if that was necessarily his intention, but it certainly seemed that way, and i just i I couldn't help i could just i kept thinking like found myself yelling at at <laughs> when I was listening to it like no, like what he like like and just the idea that like this infinite game is you know like the end all where. I think the purest sense of the infinite game is probably just as evil as the purest sense of, of the finite game. And I think they're probably, in my opinion, is like a coming to the middle, almost like politics. Like you have like these really, really staunch Republicans and really, really staunch like aggressive liberals, you know. And at the end of the day, maybe it's like, OK, like you have some good ideas. You have some good ideas. Let's talk through this as opposed to saying like, oh, socialism's bad. capitalism's bad. And, you know, it, it kind of just like they kind of fight each other. Um, And I just throughout the book, I got this like real anti-capitalist kind of feeling. Did anyone else like have that kind of like thought about the way he was like his approach?
1: He he weaves it in a little bit. um, But also, I think it's not as simple as just an infinite game. I think there's probably finite games within the infinite. Yeah. Within the infinite game. So, you know, it's it's a book. and, And I guess he's trying to go over on one side in terms of the message of the the infinite game and how that works but yeah in reality it's probably not as simple um you know as just as as outlined as just an infinite game and also you know i mentioned earlier it's just it's not as simple to implement uh, i think as as well but um yeah i mean some of the you know if you look at it from a pure capitalist anti-capitalist perspective i think he does weave some of that in there it's hard to tell if that's his like stance on it or not. But, but yeah, I think there's a little bit of it in there.
2: I think there's something to be said for like coming to the middle or like taking sort of going back to what you were saying, Mark, about worthy rivals, like taking the practices and successes that come from both infinite and finite games and using them both to, to your advantage when you are a business owner or working for a business. And there's just something to be said for like learning from all different types of perspectives and then putting them to use in your own way.
4: Yeah, Absolutely.
2: All right. We're just about out of time. Um, thank you all for participating in today's conversation. John, what book do you have selected for us next month?
3: So next month we're going to we're gonna talk a little Elon Musk. So there's uh, obviously a lot in the news about, um, these days, about Elon, between SpaceX and some of his comments about Bitcoin and and other cryptocurrencies, and he's just one of those guys. He's like bigger than life, you know. Um, and I, I thought it'd be uh, it'd be an interesting read, and and uh, something we could certainly have some good con- discussion around.
2: Yeah, looking forward to it. I don't think we can get away from him if we try. So no, we can't.
3: <laughs> <As well. laughs> might as well. You we can't beat him. Join him.
1: Yeah. <laughs> All right, so that just about wraps up today's show. Thank you, everyone, for for listening in. Um, We'll uh, tune in to next time. Thank you.
0: Thank you for listening to the Agent of Wealth podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered represents the views and opinions of the guests and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Boutis Financial. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only and is not intended to be a substitute for professional financial planning and investment advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investments and financial planning.